Finding your perfect home was hard, but thanks to Burrow, furnishing it has never been easier. Burrow's easy-to-assemble modular sofas and sectionals are made from premium, durable materials, including stain and scratch-resistant fabrics. So they're not just comfortable and stylish, they're built to last. Plus, every single Burrow order ships free right to your door. Right now, get 15% off your first order at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's 15% off at burrow.com slash ACAST. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. When I was writing the book, it was Brexit, it was Trump. All this stuff was happening in the world, and I thought this is a time we've all got to get together and fight back or have some sort of sense of resistance or engagement in politics. And yet the counter trend of wellness is to really silo yourself off from a collective and just take care of yourself. Today on Behind the Lines, we examine the wellness industry. How much of it is actually helping the people who spend money on it? What works and what doesn't? Hi, I'm Gabrielle Jackson, and today I'm joined by Bonnie Malkin. Hello. Together we'll be talking to Guardian writer and author Bridget Delaney. She's just released her book, Well Mania, where she tests the things that are meant to make her clean, lean and serene. She's also written about this extensively in her columns. So Bridget, when exploring the wellness industry, what did you find worked and what wasn't useful for you? I had about 12 years trialling things and some of the things that didn't work for me uh, included colonics, very expensive facials, including facials made from bird shit. Things like taking vitamins didn't seem to make much difference at all to how I felt. You know, expensive uh, retreats, are they really worth $3,000? Yet some retreats I did were really good. So Gabrielle, have you ever been on a retreat? So, yeah, I did this. uh, So I got run over by a train in India and thought I was going to die, but then I didn't. survived. It was great. But then every time I got on a piece of public transport, I thought I was going to die. So I was desperate, right, because I was just living in this state of anxiety. So I decided going on a Buddhist retreat that's silent would be a really good idea. So Were you Buddhist? No, no. (laughs) I didn't become a Buddhist. Uh, Although, you know, there are times because it's like 10 hours meditation a day you you get up at 3 30 you eat at 6 30 and 10 30 and that's it for that's all you eat for the rest of the day so it was like the hardest thing I've ever done how long was it how many days 10 days oh wow god and you you did it you maintained your it. silence wow uh, I, like I think I spoke to my friend on day five because she was gonna leave uh-huh. and did um, you say don't go or did you say get me out of here as well I it's really funny because that day the gates of the compound <laughs> was like in rural Thailand were open and I was like, I'm just going to run. I'm just going to run so and escape. Really there was nowhere to go. Yeah. But like what? where would I go? <laughs> and I could leave at any time. I just, you know, there was something. And so when she said I'm leaving, I was like, no, I can't leave. But um, Did she leave? No, she stayed. Yeah. Did you talk to yourself? Like, how did you? Yes, yeah. talk to myself constantly. And this, this is something that came up in Bridget's book too. 
you get such a clear mind. I wrote little stories and things, even though you weren't supposed to. And I think I had the most creative energy I've ever wow. had in my life. So I find like going on retreats is one of the things that the wellness industry, you know, it gets the big tick from me as being something that everyone should incorporate into their lives. And um, Not could, cheap though, is it? Well, you can do it on the cheap. So um, there are things that are like two and a half, three grand for a week um, at some health spa in Indonesia or Thailand. And um, they provide everything for you. That is, everything's timetabled. Um, it's a very kind of luxury experience. But you just need to clear your diary, um, go to a quiet place, make your own timetable, um, or find one of the kind of – I went to a number of religious orders, uh, Catholic, um, Anglican. I went to a Buddhist one that do cheap retreats. So they – you know, it's by donation. Yeah, that's the one I did too. Mm. It was free and then you, so got, you give a donation. Yeah, oh, that's much but more accessible. Bridget, like that Catholic monastery you went to in like Western, Aust- Western Australia somewhere, like I don't know where. terrible. <laughs> Um, and then you wrote about um, how they'd had the highest rate of sexual abuse. Did you feel a sexual abuse? Did you feel weird about going there? Or um, I went there in 2005, so all the Royal Commission stuff just came out when I was writing the book and I felt like there was a, a, a really dark vibe in the place. It was um, where a lot of children of the stolen generation were housed with these monks and um, it was very remote and it felt like it, it had a strange energy and um, I did almost a week there and found it very hard going, found the silence quite oppressive and scary, but also used it as a jumping off point to to explore silence. And um, I then moved to London and I did a silent urban retreat in the middle of London, which was great fun. And that was learning how to meditate. And then various other places around the world I I tried out those retreats but I now think look if you can have a week where you can or even like a weekend where you keep tech to a minimum don't talk unless you have to just go inward it can really help with you know your your mental and emotional health it seemed like those kinds of things in the book like making you know time to be silent and quiet turning off tech making space for meditation were the things that that seem to work the best and also there's no money attached to that so you don't need a lot of the wellness industry and it's a trillion dollar industry um multi-trillion dollar industry uh is based on creating a need or creating an anxiety and then having a product that then fills that anxiety so um I, i guess when you you get a product in the wellness industry you have to think um you know who's making a profit what uh you know are they making us feel like we're lacking something when really we don't? So the vitamin industry um, supplements I put into that category. Uh, but, look, retreats, you know, I, I think they're fantastic and, um, you know, you can do it cheaply. And you talk a lot in the book about yoga and I just want to um, share something because Please, you talk about yeah. how yoga, you know, the irony of yoga being this ancient practice, that, you know, from poor Indians now being like $30 a class. And for so many years I resisted doing yoga because I didn't want to be one of those yoga people who <laughs> walks around in her athleisure gear with a yoga mat and I just didn't want to, I just felt nervous to enter that, what I felt of as a click. 
But then you introduced me to this yoga studio and now I'm such a convert. Oh, I'm so my sorry. Life. I'm so sorry. <laughs> it, is, it is so funny, isn't it, how popular it is. But And I love yoga and I do it whenever I can, which is not very much. But whenever I do it um, and then at the, at the end, you know, you're, you have to do some alms and say nam- namaste and stuff. And I still cringe. I still feel like it's such a kind of strange, jarring. Um, <laughs> namaste sticks in your throat. It, it, it does a little bit, which is maybe says more about me than yoga. But um, I guess because you're not Hindu. So yeah, it is, that's uh, right. Yeah. Uh-huh. And neither are really any of the people in the room with me, the 60 odd people in Bondi doing yoga at the same time as me. Yeah. Um, um, but the, the the best part of yoga, uh, I'm going to read something that you've written, or maybe I'll get you to read it, which is about Shavasana at the end. Oh, Shavasana. So for people that don't know what Shavasana is, it's the... Is the reward you get at the end of the class, which is it's called it translates literally as corpse pose. So you lie down like you're dead and someone comes and puts a blanket on you. Puts a blanket on you and or rubs your temples. I mean it's it's a because it's, you're tired, you bake, you can sleep if you want to. Oh, it's oh, fantastic. Yeah. You hear people snoring in Shavasana. Um it is it is the reason why you do the the class. Yeah, and it, when it's so hard and I can't do a pose and I'm like, this sucks, I hate yoga, then I'm like, just get through to Shavasana and it'll all be worth it. <laughs> so I'd basically done a six-week um, intensive yoga course where I was doing yoga every day and I write about this experience in Wellmania and I ask, is it possible to get from like being very stiff and awkward and um, unfit to being a proper full-on Bondi yogi in six weeks. So I, I do. Th- I did this thing last year where I went every day and um, I write about it here and about Shavasana. Yet curiously, I'm also feeling blanker during yoga, like the classes themselves are a meditation where I don't have to think. I switch off. And the sweetest of all, those Shavasanas at the end, where it's almost as if a chemical calm is flooding across me, cutting through the anxiety momentarily like detergent through grease. I love it. And and there is nothing better than at the end of a really stressful work day to go and do such a hard class of yoga. It just puts ev- all that work behind you. And Bridget, that's all because of you that I do this. And oh. I sleep so well afterwards. It's but would you, would you do the same though if you went running or swimming after work? So, I mean, there's this interesting thing with yoga, which is um, has it become just another form of exercise or is it this sort of quasi-spiritual thing? And um, we just saw in the census results that more people are, are sort of secular in Australia than ever before. And there's a real, I got the real sense when I was doing this yoga course that a lot of people were getting their spiritual sort of hmm. lessons um, during yoga classes. And They're searching for something yeah. and yoga kind of fills not only the, the physical side, but also the spiritual or emotional side as well. Yeah, Bonnie yeah. and I had this yoga teacher who was Scottish, I think, yes. <laughs> last year, <laughs> who um, I remember after Brexit happened, he, he was walking around saying, you might not like change, but change has come. You've got to get used to it. <laughs> just like, just like anyway, Brexit. sounded just like that. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, they dropped these nuggets of truth, yeah. which are it's <clears> kind <throat> of... It's funny, actually, because, I mean, sometimes you just kind of roll your eyes, but, like, sometimes they really stick with you, these kind of little sermons that they give and they're just reading from some self-help book you know normally you know Mm. which you know fair enough but normally I would shrug off but I think you're in quite a vulnerable state in yoga so it goes in like there's (laughs) one that's very much stuck in my head and comes back to me often what's that it is um 
it was a um a woman was teaching a class and she said she was telling like a like it was a, a fable and she was like there was a boy and he said to his grandfather that he had he felt like he had two dogs fighting inside him and one was you know kind of anger and hatred and um a kind of darkness and pain and cruelty and the other one was kind of um compassion and kindness and love and warmth and he said and you know grandfather which one will win it's this constant battle inside me and the grandfather said to him the one that you feed and Ooh, I and it just really yeah profound. it really I mean I think of it often <laughs> thanks <laughs> yoga lady <laughs> there, there is one teacher um at the place that where I go who sometimes sings she plays a little keyboard thing and she chants at the end in shavasana and it, I, I end up crying i don't even yeah. know what the words mean yeah. but at the end of that like really intense you know 75 minute class uh and and i think it's different you you mentioned running and swimming two two things which i've done in my life but those exercises you think the whole time it's yeah. or you're swimming music, up and back running. and down mm. the swimming all you do is think and your mind constantly turns over the difference is what you just read is in yoga you your mind actually switches off because if you do a hard class you're so concentrating on that pose and your breath yeah. that your mind does switch off for for an hour or 75 or 90 minutes. It's kind minutes. of real mindfulness in itself isn't yeah. it because you have to just focus on what you're doing are you going to fall over <laughs> crash into someone Get someone's armpit in your face. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Watch people tripping with sweat next to you, thinking, oh, the men should have to wear shirts. <laughs> or is that just me? <laughs> there is there is a funny um, story in the book about the – I met Bikram, who's – Oh, you have to tell that this bit. story. Um, and I, I interviewed Bikram for a story and he was he's the guy that invented this hot yoga and he was so awful to me. He, he said that I was – he basically called me fat and I was like – Screw you, Bikram, you know, <laughs> you're a horrible misogynist. And um, so I ended up doing, I ended up going to Bikram and getting really, really fit and kind of making, making peace kind of him. made peace with Bikram. But then he got done on all these sexual harassment and financial charges. So, that, you know, this world is full of karma. This world is full of people who are kind of, I mean, there's some really interesting characters. So they're not all these hemp-wearing hippies. Some of them are very savvy and savage business people. Mm. Um, and there's, you know, a number of studios where, you know, they just they get as many people as they can in the room. Um, they don't pay the instructors that much. And it it is very much a commercial operation. And it's cloaked in all this spiritual kind of garb. So that's something that I think, you know, I'm kind of becoming aware of, which is, yeah, the the commodification of spirituality. Mm. And there's a really interesting question that you ask in the book about, you know, it, it's spirituality in a sense, but it's very much inward looking. It's very much about the self. It's about, you know, um, improving your, you know, you, how, you, how you personally feel about yourself and also your how you look, mm. but also, you know, um, you know, they obviously do talk about, uh, spiritual aspects of your life um and there's the, the problem is i think you pose it is you know what does that give to society in a in a wider mm. sense mm. um yeah that was yeah. top of mind when i because when i was writing the book it was brexit it was trump you know all this stuff was happening in the world and i thought this is a time we've all got to get together and 
fight back or have some sort of sense of resistance or engagement in politics. And yet the counter trend of wellness is to really silo yourself off from a collective and just take care of yourself. And there's, you know, strong arguments why women, particularly women, should um, invest a lot of time in in their health and well-being. However, it can also be a retreat from social responsibilities. And, um, you know, I think, yeah, you can have both. You can look after yourself, but you've also, this is the time now to kick in and sort of be a bit more active and engaged with, with what's happening in the world. So, Bridget, the the big question is, I guess, at the end of all this, has any of this changed you or the way you live? It's definitely made me more aware of the way I live. Um, I know that if things like my blood pressure and cholesterol get too high, there are things that I can go to that will bring it down. So um, meditation, fasting, things like that. Um, I know that yoga is going to make me feel less stiff and rusty, um, particularly on cold mornings. Um, and I know that um, colonics aren't for me. <laughs> oh, I think they're actually really dangerous and not recommended. <laughs> yeah. um, but it's also given me uh, an insight into the industry and made me sort of look at it quite carefully and and say, well, what's the profit motive for this product? You know, is is this actually going to benefit me or is this a fad or is it – just another way for someone to make money. So, yeah, I it's an ongoing process. And in the book, I think the last, it's possibly the last line, um, I say we make ourselves anew every day. You know, I know now that there are no quick fixes, um, sadly. Yeah. Uh, and the thing I took away from it was that I really want to try and learn how to do meditation because it sounded like it really did kind of make a difference while you were doing it every day yeah, and um, it sounded like really just a fascinating kind of way of um carving out some time and also some some headspace and I, I thought that that is my aim that's on my list number one to do yeah I think that that's something that you know let's go back to yoga for me when you are lying in that shavasana position they often say you deserve this give yourself the time to lay here and do nothing and I think you know I'm always thinking I should be reading the news I should be doing this but even just sitting for 15 minutes and trying to meditate reduces my levels of anxiety like I cannot tell you it's amazing and you don't feel it like soon as soon as I finish, I'm not like, oh, I'm a new person now. But over a few days, you just notice yourself becoming a little less stressed and sleeping a little bit better maybe. That sounds very good. That makes me want to go to sleep right now. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening to Behind the Lines. Bridget's book is called Wellmania and is available in all good bookstores now. This podcast is produced by Miles Martignoni. If you like it, you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts or your favourite podcasting app. And while you're there, leave us a rating or a review. It helps other people discover the podcast. Thanks. Tired of ads barging into your favourite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. 
That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. A third of students are less than happy about their university choice, new research by EY has revealed. The findings suggest that a digital rethink is essential to meet the expectations of students and staff. Universities can address this by putting the needs of the people they serve at the heart of their digital strategies. Learn more about the future of human-centered higher education at theguardian.com forward slash transforming higher education. This message was paid for by EY.